Warning, the following program is solely intended for a mature audience. Any of the idiotic opinions and views expressed on this show are solely opinions of Dark Cringe Radio and not of its advertisers, which is completely pointless because this poorly produced, dumbass podcast has no advertisers. Furthermore, any rebroadcast or redistribution of Dark Friend Radio podcasts without per- the permission is strictly prohibited. If you do, we will find you. And then we will send three black-eyed children to your home or office to collect your soul. Thank you. Enjoy the show. I require the solace of the shadows and the dark of the night. Sunshine is my destroyer. There shall never be another dawn. Coming to you live from the Mistopheles Studios, it's Dark Fringe Radio. And welcome one, welcome all to Dark Fringe Radio, your number one spot. For the conspiratorial, paranormal, macabre, strange, and unusual. And this week we have a special guest. He's an author and a paranormal investigator by the name of Keith Evans. And we're going to be talking about uh, a book that he wrote by the name of Hayes House, Ghosts Are People Too. And we're going to talk about his unique paranormal investigating techniques. So we'll be getting into all that here in a second. And we hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Dark Fringe Radio. Just want to remind everybody... How you can listen to the podcast, you can go directly to our website, darkfringeradio.wordpress.com. Go directly there, and you can choose any one of those streaming sites that we have there available for you, and you can go there. And if you can, subscribe, and give us a five-star rating in the comment as well. That really helps us out, and we really appreciate that. So uh, if you want to uh, send any kind of correspondence to us, or if you want to be a guest of Dark Fringe Radio, you can send that directly to me at thedarkfringe at gmail.com again that's thedarkfringe at gmail.com and you can uh, follow all of our social media on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Dark Fringe Radio so um, again that's uh, where you can find all our stuff we hope you guys enjoy uh, sorry for the short intro for this week it was uh, technical difficulties this week but Jay will be on next week again and uh, we're going to get into our interview here in a second with Mr. Keith Evans so we hope you guys enjoy this is Matt Landman, activist, filmmaker, and you're listening to Dark Fringe Radio. There's over! Ladies and germs! It's showtime! Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, good evening, and thank you for joining in on another episode of Dark Fringe Radio. Tonight, we have a very special guest. Uh, his, he's an author of The Hayes House Ghosts Are People Too. His name is Keith Evans, and he has a bachelor's degree in uh, chemistry uh, from the University of Central Florida. He's also a retired uh, forensic scientist. Uh, he has been involved with the paranormal communicating, uh, paranormal communicating all his life. And he plans to bring the guardian angels and ghosts uh, or spirits to the forefront of everyone's uh, thought processes. And he hopes to teach uh, everyone the importance of saving the Victorian homes that he does all these paranormal investigating in. And uh, it's a very, very interesting take on investigating. I wanted to bring him here with you tonight, us tonight. Uh, Please welcome to Dark Fringe Radio, our guest, Mr. Keith Evans. How are you, sir? How's it going? I'm doing good. How are you? Very good. Uh, Keith, I wanted to bring you on this podcast. Um, you know, I, I, I talk to a lot of paranormal investigators. I am also a paranormal investigator myself. Uh, I've, I've uh, you know, investigated some, um, uh, let's say, abandoned uh, prisons and things of that nature. Never a Victorian house, though. That's actually um, something that I um, really plan on wanting to do now in the future. Now you've actually piqued my interest uh, in this, uh, you know, corner of the paranormal. Thank you for coming on the podcast. And I wanted to ask you right off the bat, you know, I've been following you on your, your Facebook page, the Pat Cat 2006. If you guys don't know, just you know, go on to there and you can follow all of his work. He does a lot of, uh, you know, uh, investigating. He shows a lot of his evidence on there as well. But uh, what got you into the paranormal, Keith? Uh, tell me, I mean, what uh, what started you? I'm sure this probably started at a young age if I had to, to guess. That's mostly, the, the you know, where it starts for most people. But please tell us. Tell my guess. 
I would say when I was uh, four years old, uh, my mother used to sleep late and uh, I used to wake up early and I was always hungry. And she had a strict rule that I wasn't allowed to eat anything until she got up. So one one morning, um, she wasn't friends with my aunts. And and this was my uh, my grandfather's uh, mother's sisters. And one morning, one of my aunts came in my room and said, uh, Keith, do you want to go see the train wreck? And all the adults, when I was a little kid, I, I didn't enjoy playing with the other little kids. I wanted to talk uh, to the adults, whatever they were talking about. Because right. whatever they talked about interests me more than, you know, playing with the other little kids. And when they were talking about the train wreck, I kept, kept asking them questions and they told me to go play. So as soon as my aunt came in and, and wanted me to go, I wanted to. And I told her, I said, well, my mom don't like you. You think I'll get in trouble if I go with you? And she <laughs> said, no, we'll be up there and back before she knows it. So I went. And uh, it was a good walk, probably a quarter of a mile up and a quarter of a mile back. And it didn't seem to tire me out at all. And I got to see where uh, the train wreckage had ran into a, uh, a cannon factory. It was, uh, I guess you could say, like a open type uh, garage uh, where they husk corn. And it was right along the railroad track. And I uh, could see where the uh, train wreckage had, had ran into the uh it kind of like buckled off and uh, was on its side there where the uh, corn huskers were and had damaged part of the building. And I, I enjoyed that. And then we went back home and my mother hadn't woke up. And I told my grandfather about it when I was about 12 or 13. He passed away uh, when I was 13. So it had to be sometime around 12 and 13 years old. And when I told him about it, he said, what did this lady look like? And I said, well, she was a cross between my Aunt Virgie and my Aunt Ada. And I said it was strange because she didn't look like neither of them. She was like a you know, combination of both. And uh, he said, well, that was my mother. And his mother died when he was about eight years old. So um, anyway, I told him, he said, tell me about this, you know, uh, what so you let me interrupt you real quick, Keith, if you don't mind. Uh, how old were you when you had this discussion with your grandfather or with your dad? Well, when I had the discussion with my grandfather, I guess I was between 12 and 13 because he passed away when I was 13 years old. Got you. Okay. And I, I wish he'd live, you know, longer because I would have loved to talk to him about it again. Of course. Uh, so anyway, the bottom line was I explained to him what I saw and, um, you know, he said, yep, that's what it looked like. So he was kind of amazed and kind of, it was like shock and awe. He didn't say much after that. He just kind of looked strange. And I thought, well, that was pretty much my first paranormal encounter. And it wasn't scary at all. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that the person who had taken me to this uh, train wreck, which happened before I was born, mm -hmm. the train wreck, um, uh, from what my from what I remember, what my grandfather had told me was sometime in the fifties or forties, but mm. it was before I was born. Gotcha. So um, somehow, you know, the paranormal activity t took place wasn't scary at all. It was informative, and it was actually showing a little kid what he wanted to know about the train wreck. So mm. it was almost like I was able to travel. Uh, in time, you know, like time travel to uh, before I was born mm -hmm. to see this. I'm not sure how a ghost or spirit would make that happen, whether they somehow can transfer their memories of what happened uh, into my brain so I can see and hear it. And um, But I just thought it was a really nice thing for a ghost or spirit to do. And, you know, from the time I was 13 and even when I was younger, I never found ghosts of spirits to be scary. Most people uh, were like panic stricken every time that, uh, you know, anyone talked about ghosts or spirits. And I, I really felt that ghosts of spirits can look out for you. And I think they're like an arm and, and an extension of God. And mm -hmm. uh, you need all the help you uh, can get in life. 
I think so too. I think you're absolutely right about that. And it sounds like to me that you definitely have some type of psychic type abilities. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever really dwelled into what, you know, type of, uh, abilities that you may have or not, but, uh, that is a type of impressionist, um, type of thing that happened to you where, um, you know, you were placed in, uh, in a different time and a different era and actually able to see what was going on. So I think, you know, you definitely have something. I mean, have you ever talked to anybody about some of the maybe, uh, abilities that you have are you an empath or are you a psychic uh, have you ever dwelled into that at all i would say that i'm an empath uh, i mainly can feel the motions of the uh, ghosts and spirits uh, now when i do paranormal investigations i i use uh before hurricane michael i was using the obelisk four and now i'm using the obelisk 5b and i get um, a lot of ghosts and spirits will say psychic so, but I don't know, that might just be their interpretation because I'm willing to communicate with them where most people are not. Yeah, that, that definitely could be. I, I could see where you're coming from on that. And, you know, it's very interesting. And I wanted to get into that, that you are, you know, you take a very scientific approach to your investigating. I, I've noticed that. And um, you use um, some instrumentation. We were just talking about the Ovulus uh, 5B. Um, I've seen you use the Mel meter before as well um, on your, your page. Tell us a little bit more about that. Tell my listeners what those, you know, those instruments are used for. What can they detect? You know, how does this help you in your investigation? Well, the uh, Obelus 5B is more or less an instrument where the ghosts or spirits can use their um, electromagnetic energy to choose words from the Obelus 5B's database. I don't know exactly how that happens because it's a, you know, a trade secret. Uh, but on many occasions, it seems to be right on the money. When I ask the question, yeah. you'll get an answer, which, uh, and it's usually a very short answer. Sometimes I feel that the ghost of spirits talk in sentences, but you only get bits and pieces on the Obelisk 5B. Yeah, and that's uh, that's interesting that you catch these things, you know, because it, it definitely correlates with a lot of the stuff that you're asking as well. So there has to be a lot of um, validity to what you're, you know, you're catching as far as the obvious is, uh, device is concerned because you're asking specific questions. And I've seen people use this before. And when you use those specific questions and you get detailed answers back, all that, although it may be short, you get detailed answers back. And that just leaves that door open. You're like, whoa, that's a little, you know, too coincidental. So uh, what, what is, what's your feeling on the obvious? I mean, do you find that as a very handy tool when it comes to investigating? I mean, do you, is that one of your go-to uh, devices? Yes, uh, I like the Obelisk 5B and I also like the Mel meter. Uh, with the Mel meter, it mainly measures temperature. Uh, you can uh, place it into Celsius or Fahrenheit. I keep... Uh, my uh, millimeter in Fahrenheit, and it also measures electromagnetic energy, and I keep mine in uh, milligals. So I find that to be, uh, if anything, ghost of spirits enjoy using the millimeter sometimes, and mainly for uh, electromagnetic energy. And I feel that if they get close to it, they probably don't have to do anything because it just picks it up. Now, when it comes to temperature changes, I don't get that much of a temperature change, but my feelings are ghosts of spirits, their electromagnetic energy is very pinpoint. It's very small. You right. probably couldn't see the electromagnetic energy with a, with a naked eye. It's right. that small. So uh, before Hurricane Michael, I actually had uh, two millimeters. I had a, uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember. I think it was called an EDI. Mm -hmm. And I also had a uh, uh, the mel meter, and uh, both washed away during a, a storm surge in Hurricane Michael. But I would set them side by side, and one would show electromagnetic energy, and the other one would not. So my theory is uh, a ghost of spirit's energy is so small that you know they can manipulate one piece of equipment without manipulating the other. And uh, both of them had the ability to measure uh, electromagnetic energy. 
Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, I, that's something that I've noticed as well. I mean, that you take this really scientific approach and I really appreciate that. Another thing I noticed as well is that you do a lot of your investigating during the day, uh, yeah. which is a little bit, uh, well, I should say a little bit, but much different than most of the investigators out there. Even myself, uh, you know, I'm guilty of it. I'm always out there at night. So uh, give me your take on the day versus night, you know, topic as far as, you know, paranormal investigating goes. Well, I, I like to sleep at night. I've had uh, jobs, and I was in the Army and the Army Reserves, and sometimes you have to be up at night. So um, I, I, since I'm retired, I like to sleep at night, and I also like to be able to see what's going on. Uh, if you're doing a paranormal investigation in an area and you're not familiar with it, you know, you could step on something, break someone's furniture, trip and fall, and hurt yourself. And also, when ghosts of spirits do something, it's not like they pick up a refrigerator and throw it across the room. That <laughs> that never happens, uh, at least never happened to me. Right. Um, they might uh, turn a ashtray sideways. Mm. And if the ashtray is not a, a square or oval, you'll be able to see it. But if you're in the dark, you might actually miss that. And the lighting may not be well enough, so your camera or camcorder might miss it. So I like to do things uh, in the daylight where I can catch all the evidence. Yeah. And uh, since Hurricane Michael, I've only been able to afford to purchase one camcorder. But in the future, I would like to have at least three or four camcorders and uh, have them uh, covering uh, the majority of the room and also have one that I can use if I want to focus on something or point it towards uh the Melmeter or the Oblis 5B or uh, the uh, Flare TG165. That's another uh, piece of equipment that I uh, use. Uh, that's, is that the infrared type of uh, instrumentation? Am it's I a thermal imaging. It picks up uh, the heat, um, cold or hot, and it, uh, it's color-coded. So you don't see the picture in the uh, true color uh, that our eyes can pick up. You see... Uh, for instance, if it's very cold, it's going to be black. Uh, it it goes from, uh, say, dark blue to blue to uh, purple to re uh, red to orange to yellow to white is the hottest. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've seen uh, that device being used before. And, uh, you know, I've seen uh, that device pick up some quite compelling evidence in some locations. You know, I, I really believe in that because... Uh, like you said, I think, you know, temperature fluctuations have a lot to do with the paranormal. Um, I think we don't give that enough credence um, in investigating. Um, I also use a millimeter myself when it comes to, to uh, investigating with the temperature gauge as well. And I think that's just it, it really does make a difference because you can kind of correlate the difference between the feeling in the room and also the temperature dropping or maybe even raising in some instances. So um, let me ask you this. I, I kind of wanted to ask you this because. Um, since you have a different approach of uh, investigating, I wanted to know what's like the most compelling piece of evidence that you think you've caught before? Well, I would say at the Hayes house, probably one of the most compelling pieces of uh, thermal imaging uh, that I uh, was able to obtain uh, was in the Pat and Kathleen room. And when I went in at the time, I did not know that, um, it was Pat and Kathleen's uh, bedroom when they lived there. And um, I saw in the corner, it was like a um, long blue line from uh, the floor up to the ceiling. And I've never seen it almost like someone had put a cold pipe in front of me. Wow. And I kind of had to look away and actually look at the, the corner of the wall, which it was the northeast corner of the wall. And of course, there's nothing there in the northeast corner. But when you look back at the thermal imager, you see a straight, um, you know, I'd say dark blue uh, line that looks like a cold pipe. And I'm thinking, well, at that time, the Hayes house was used. Uh, there was at least three rooms that were uh, Airbnb, and there was an apartment on the third floor. And I thought maybe somebody's taking a cold shower, and there's a pipe behind the wall. And I'm just picking it up. 
So I asked the owners about that, and they said, no, there's no, there's no uh, pipe in the, that corner. So I think it was uh, uh, Pat Hayes. And Pat Hayes was a uh, he was a tall man. I guess he was about uh, six foot three, six foot four, and um, he uh, had a uh, small waist. I think his waist was uh, around twenty eight inches, thirty inches. So uh, I think that was his way of appearing to me. Um, at the same time, I went ahead and checked the other corners, and I think uh, I immediately checked the corner behind me to see if for some reason I might be getting some type of cold reading, you know, and in that corner, the corner was fine, but I saw that would be uh, the uh, uh, southwest corner of the room. I saw like two to three undulating uh, blue areas. I don't know if you remember the, the Casper the Friendly Ghost, where you just kind of had the um, oh, yeah. uh, inverted V shape uh, with a rounded kind of like bottom of the V, and right. uh, it just kind of undulated, and it looked anywhere from two uh, shorter people, I figured ladies, but I might be wrong, but uh, it went from like two to three, and then I quickly like uh, looked at my uh, ob- um, looked at my flare tg165 and then i actually looked at the corner of the wall because i couldn't believe what i was actually seeing and when i just looked away from the tg165 uh there was nothing showing in the corner of the wall but when i looked back to my tg165 and i think the uh two to three undulating dark blue uh figures uh were probably um kathleen uh, and also Kathleen Hayes. She was married to Pat Hayes. And I also think uh, it was uh, um, Sunshine Gibson who lived at the Hayes house until she passed away in uh, 1956. And uh, I think it was uh, Pat Hayes's mother, Annie. And I think she was the third one that was kind of undulating in and out. And um so that would be, uh, I would say, the most spectacular um, thermal image uh, in in one hour-long session. I always try to do short sessions, and I try to write everything down and document as much as I can, like a transcript, but I do it in, like, quick, sloppy uh, shorthand. And mm-hmm. that way, if I want to write a book, because you just can't remember everything, too much happens. And then you fill in the gaps if you left something out right after you get done. Because if you don't, you're not going to remember. But uh, the second uh, thermal image uh, would be, uh, it took place in the back stairway room on the first floor. Okay. And I was doing thermal imaging there. And I had a question for the Ghosts of Spirits at the time where I thought that they had rearranged the uh, way the steps came down. I (laughs) thought there was at least like two landings and that the stairs probably came out towards the middle of the hallway because as it was, the stairway actually ended uh, right where the uh, first floor original kitchen uh, was and it kind of cut it into the molding. And I figured the gentleman that built this house was right well to do for, uh, you know, when it was built in 1908. And I figured he wouldn't do that. He would have something where your stairway didn't end where it had to cut into the molding of the uh, the right. side of the, um, you know, kitchen door. Right. So anyway, I asked that question to the ghosts of spirits. And on the thermal image, I was able to uh, uh, catch, uh, and it was a, uh, you can see the two legs, like someone was standing um, on the back stairway, which was a little narrow stairway, and the ghosts and spirit had their, uh, I would say their right leg was over the banister of the steps, the railing mm-hmm. of the stairway, and mm-hmm. their left leg was on the stairs. And they were like asking me or, or, or showing me or maybe even making fun of me for saying, you know, if you walk off this way, you're going to fall. But <laughs> I, I never 
really found out whether, uh, you know, the stairs had been changed. If they were changed, it was probably before the Hayes family moved in. Got you. Got you. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a telltale sign again. You know, when we talk about hauntings and the paranormal and uh, things of this nature, you know, we always, you know, there's always some type of like renovation that, you know, brings these, you know, spirits to, uh, you know, act out or maybe even do things that, uh, uh, that most people would not, you know, uh, not even notice normally, but then, you know, paranormal investigators like us, we catch on camera or thermal imaging or things like that. Um, I wanted to switch gears here for a second, uh, Keith, uh, and talk about your book, um, the Hayes house. You just, you know, mentioned, um, you know, a few of the characters in this particular house. You wrote a book called Hayes house, uh, ghosts are people too. And, um, you know, I found this, you know, this, pretty interesting. I wasn't able to read all of it, but I was able to read some of the forward and some of that information. And what I gathered from what I read so far is that you treat this investigation much like, I would say, akin to maybe a bibliographer, maybe, Uh, maybe somebody who's trying to rewrite uh, or maybe write what these these ghosts or these people that have once lived are still, you know, obviously exist. Existing on this plane of existence and somehow uh, some form of energy and giving that respect to them, uh, which is a lot different than what we normally see, um, especially on TV. We talked about this before we even started recording. Uh, we, you know, you see a lot of people uh, disrespect these people, these ghosts. And I think we kind of lose touch um, because we don't remember or we maybe forget that these people, these ghosts were people, too. So tell us a little bit about the book and uh, explain that a little bit. Well, I would say. You always remember how someone makes you feel. And if someone makes you feel like they could care less about you or that you're not important to them, um, you're going to remember that. And I feel that ghost spirits are the same way. So I try to treat them in a way that they remember me fondly. And uh, when I do paranormal, it is kind of stressful in a way that I'm trying to not miss anything. I almost treat it like it's a forensic evidence and I want to not miss a thing, document everything, you know, and sometimes that's hard to do because uh, the ghost of spirits might drain your camcorder and then you have to quickly move and plug your camcorder into the closest outlet so you can continue to tape and not miss anything. So believe it or not, I, I get upset with the ghost of spirits because you know, sometimes okay. I'll even tell them, well, had you not drained my uh, camcorder, you know, I wouldn't be missing 10 minutes of the paranormal <laughs> session. So, you know, I'm, I'm human. Sometimes I guess I uh, lose my temper with them. But I try my best to let them know that I care about uh, their life. I try to learn as much history as possible. I didn't have all the history for the Hayes house because – the owner had put the house up for sale, and I was in a hurry to try to uh, finish uh, a, at least two one-hour paranormal sessions in each room and each porch in the house. So um, that meant I had to sacrifice not having a very good history when I started. But I think the better history you have and the questions that you asked, if it's geared towards something that the ghosts and spirits that lived in that house are interested in, then they're going to engage with you. If you talk about what you're interested in, they may not be interested in what you're talking about at all. And if so, they might remain quiet. That's true. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it's just any other conversation you'd have with a normal person, right? I mean, if somebody, if you try to talk to somebody, they don't want to talk about what you're talking about. They're not going to talk to you, right? I mean, it's just common sense. So I totally get where you're coming from, and I think that's absolutely right. So tell me about this book a little bit more. I mean, is it more in depth about the the history of the house? Uh, does that correlate with the 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 paranormal evidence that you caught there as well? How does how does this whole book come together? Well, the book uh, has 21 chapters. I start out with the first chapter is just the history about the Buck family. Um, Jeff Buck built the house in 1908. So the first chapter is just uh, the history I could find on the Buck family, which wasn't as much as I would have liked. Uh, Then starting with the second through the 21st 
um, chapter, it covers a room in the Hayes house or mm -hmm. one of the porches. There's three porches. Uh, there's a, a, the front wraparound porch. There's a second floor front porch. And there's the first floor back porch. Gotcha. So I cover as much history about how the Hayes family used uh, each room and each porch. And uh, for instance, like the dining room, I talk about how the uh, Hayes family had their uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving dinners at in the uh, dining room uh, from the year that they purchased it, which was 1942, up until uh, the year Kathleen sold it in 1996. And um, I try to... Uh, correlate uh, what I know about the family history, the Hayes family history, with chapter 2 through 21. Mm -hmm. And um, I also, uh, at the end of the chapter, I have the uh, transcript of the paranormal uh, session. Wow. So you get pretty much uh, right. everything that happened, uh, what, what questions I asked, uh, what I thought, what I feel, what I saw, what I heard, you know, if a car, uh, if my car alarm went off and I had to use my keys to turn it off, if mm -hmm. a dog starts barking, uh, when I asked a question, uh, I just try to put everything in. And I also, uh, I, I documented what words I got on the obelisk five, uh, within the transcript uh during the real time that it took place i also documented uh the pictures that i was able to obtain about uh, any temperature changes uh or uh electromagnetic spikes that i got on the mel meter and i also documented whatever i saw uh with the thermal imager the mm. tg165 flare wow Wow. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like an action packed book. I mean, that's something that I definitely want to read and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's something that I really, really want to get into because again, it's a different take and a different, uh, method of, uh, of capturing paranormal activity that I think most people are not used to. Um, again, you do things a lot differently, which I appreciate. I think that's a very important thing because I think that uh, it separates you from everyone else. And getting back into that, you know, you are currently where? In St. Augustine currently right now? Yes. Okay. So give me your take on the city of St. Augustine. I mean, for me personally, and we've talked about this before uh, we started recording, it's uh, my favorite city in the entire world. Uh, I've traveled the world. I've traveled all throughout the United States. Um, I was lucky enough to do that, um, and for some reason, I just find St. Augustine just a very peaceful place, but at the same time, a very magical place, and uh, I wanted to get your take on the actual city. I mean, you could literally, from in my estimation, in my opinion, uh, solely, you could literally live there for the rest of your life and just do paranormal investigations anywhere there, um, but what is your take on the city itself? Well, it is... Um a lot of history. I think if I was very good at Spanish, <laughs> I bet I would get a lot more, uh, yeah. uh, you know, responses. And uh, I kind of could kick myself for not becoming bilingual because I'm sure there's a lot of ghosts of spirits that are listening to me and thinking, well, what's he saying, you know? Mm -hmm. So we really need... Um, uh, paranormal investigators who are good at Spanish to come here and do paranormal investigation. All right. <laughs> Hopefully you'll come back because um, yeah. I don't know if the Obelis five can be converted into Spanish. But, I, uh, I have some friends that actually um, are in that uh, type of uh, tech business and I think it is possible. So, uh, you know, again, it's something that uh, I find very fascinating, and especially like what you said in St. Augustine. Uh, it's a very uh, Spanish-driven uh, or Spanish-oriented type town. I mean, you go down any street, it's Menendez Street, it's Fernandez Street, it's, uh, you know, Martinez Avenue or something like that. So, yeah, it has its really deep roots. And, of course, the, have you been out to the fort there, of course? Yes. I, I've been on the uh, grounds. I've never uh, been into the fort. Oh, Okay. So you definitely have to go into the fort. I'm telling you, there's some magical energy inside of there. 
I, I've been to some of the barracks. I've done a tour of the barracks inside there. You know how they shoot the cannon every evening and all that stuff, and they do the presentation, do all that. But I've actually been inside the barracks, and I, the energy, um, it's un, unparalleled. I mean, really, you can really feel the charge of energy there. Um, but, yeah, I, again, I, I find that St. Augustine itself as a city is just a treasure trove of just paranormal activity. Um, I stayed at a bed and breakfast there once just to tell you a quick story. And uh, I was there with an ex-girlfriend of mine, and we saw some crazy stuff. I mean, and that was before I was even into any of this stuff. Um, that was before I was paranormal investigating and all the stuff and really getting into all that. Uh, you know, we saw a lot of stuff that was happening there. Um, oh. Do you do you think that uh, because of the history, that's the reason why that, that place is the reason why it's like that? Well, I think uh, ghosts of spirits come back to, like, look after whatever they loved. Right. And I feel that if it looks the way it did when they were alive, they're going to come back and look after it or come back to reminisce and enjoy it. So, and if that changes, it, it's kind of like an offtake of the stone tape theory, where yeah. the stone tape theory kind of says that um, residual energy can be stored in the form of a, a picture that's played back or audio that's played back or both that are played back under certain uh, conditions uh, later on. And um, I feel in many ways that happens with intelligent um, uh, paranormal uh, activity also. And I think a lot of it has to do with ghosts of spirits look after or love to come back to the places they remembered. And yeah. um, I don't feel that ghosts or spirits are trapped on earth or couldn't get into heaven. I think they can travel back and forth from heaven to earth uh, at the speed of light because they're just electromagnetic energy. Once we pass away, that's all we are, electromagnetic energy. And I think that is their, uh, their soul. Yeah. I believe so, too. And you know what? Another thing I've noticed, Keith, um, when it comes to your investigating, uh, which I have a high respect for, is that you also try to preserve the the uh, antiques of the house, um, the memories of the house, uh, the tombstones of the people who've passed. Uh, I've seen some of the stuff where you've gone and and and, and you know, try to, you know, redo some of that stuff and. I just find that remarkable because I don't find anybody else doing that. Nobody else does that right now, Keith. You're the only one. And, uh, you know, especially with these Victorian homes that you are uh, focusing on, I mean, that is so important. I mean, that to preserve the history of these people's memory and the, 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 the things that were there, um, I think is very important. Um, tell us a little bit more about that, if you could. Well, I feel like at the uh, Hayes house, um, up through the time that I did the uh, paranormal investigating at the Hayes house, which was like November, 2016 through uh, uh, about uh, May of 2017, the house had just about 80 or 90% of the original exterior and interior wood. Uh, it had the original um, interior uh, tongue and groove ceiling boards it had the original tongue and groove uh, floorboards, and it also had the original tongue and groove horizontal wall boards. Mm -hmm. And I think that just made it a pleasant place for both members of the Buck family and Hayes family, which each lived there about 20, 30 years plus. And when you live at a house that long, you form a bond with it. Sure. And as long as it looks the same, I feel that will allow the ghost to want to come back. Uh, I, I'm sad to say that a lot of the Hayes house was changed with the new owner. Uh, I was given some photos of uh, the second floor was pretty much uh, just gutted out. Uh, wow. I don't know if any of the original wood was reused. Uh, but that kind of tore my heart out sure. and I had, uh, this was, I found out about it, I guess, late February or early March of this year. But mm -hmm. I had, I had, I was in, um, uh, 
Fort Walton Beach area, and I had uh, uh, turned on my Oblis 5B, and I had asked uh, Kathleen Hayes, how are things at the Hayes house? Because a lot of times, once you have a relationship with a ghost or spirit, you don't have to be at that location to talk to them. It's kind of uh, unique. And I got the words, it's hell. And I thought, yeah. I, I thought, well, I kind of scolded the ghost or spirit because I thought that, you know, someone was using foul language. And I, you know, yeah. I just ended the conversation and said, well, I, I won't talk to you because I don't think this would be Kathleen using those words. And then, of course, when I got the pictures and saw what had happened, mm-hmm. I thought that was her. And I, I felt so guilty for scolding her, which I think I got it. I didn't even take a picture of it because a lot of times if I get something negative or something threatening from a ghost, I, I don't even take a picture of it because uh, it's like rewarding bad behavior. Right. Right. And I didn't take a picture of it, so I don't have it. But, um, you know, it was it's hell. There was no the obelisk will just give you I.T.S. and then uh, hell. And it was two separate words that were given. But I think that was Kathleen uh, upset about what they were doing to the interior of the second floor. I'm not sure what was done to the first floor. Mm. So I hope that doesn't break the bond. And I feel that. You know, when you have ghosts of spirits uh, who love the place, and if you're the owner and you're taking care of it and keeping it original, the same way it looked when they were alive, I think you got someone that's got your back. Yeah, I think so too. And um, you know, that's uh, it's an important thing that you just mentioned there. You know, when uh, you know an invid- a person, individual, you know, has a house like that of great history, and uh, you know, you start to decide to um, renovate. And, um, you know, tear down complete floors and things like that. I could understand. I mean, you would have to understand how an entity or a ghost would be upset, how beside themselves they would be, especially if that's a place that they, like you said, that they love so much they wanted to return to. And now you're changing it for them. So you're basically changing their environment. And that, you know, going with that, you know, uh, theme, have you ever been in a situation where you've been at a place where you maybe have witnessed or uh, experienced an unpleasant type of uh, entity, maybe something negative or maybe something demonic? Well, no, I I don't think I have. Uh, Angry ghosts, yes. And Mm -hmm. I think that uh, if I was invisible on a day that I got angry, people might think that I was evil or demonic. And yeah, (laughs) uh, I I, I really feel that uh, ghosts, uh, ghosts are people too, and they have a right to be understood. If they're having a bad day and they're angry about something, I, I don't think that we have the right to say they're evil or demonic. I think we have a right to listen to them, hear them out, and try to kind of talk them down, show them that we care and we're there to listen. And uh, I try that. Uh, and most of the time it works. If I get a angry or upset ghosts. And uh, if you look at in the United States, ever since I've been alive, which has been 1958, most people that I've run across have a very negative point of view about ghosts of spirits. Most of them uh, get upset. uh, They'll start to tremble. You usually see someone starting to have a panic attack when you just talk about it. And they're not even there at the paranormal location. And if 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 someone had that type of reaction towards me when they said, "Here's Keith Evans," <laughs> it would make me feel bad. It would. I mean, yeah. You can you can just tell that these ghosts of spirits have had their feelings hurt. Mm-hmm. How many years? I mean, if they died two hundred years ago, and if Americans are running from them and screaming and leaving and you know, just not peacefully communicating back, I would probably have a negative attitude too. Sure. So sometimes you're dealing with ghosts of spirits that if they're 200, 100 years old, how many negative experiences have they had Jeez. with living people for misjudging them just for being there? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of Americans are probably shunning 
or being frightened of their guardian angel, someone that's there to look after them. And mm -hmm. I think that's so sad. And yeah. uh, I know I've had a lot of people that uh, think that somehow I'm evil or demonic for communicating with ghosts. But mm -hmm. I tell you, in my life, ghosts have treated me better than most people have. <laughs> and uh, I will not turn my back on a friend, whether they're living or dead. Right. Yeah. No, that's so important that you say that because I don't think people really understand that. Uh, I think they look at uh, paranormal investigating as just like, oh, this so, you know, uh, it's so commercialized and it's just gone such so far, you know, beyond what it should be. And um, I'm so happy to see that there's actually somebody like you who are actually kind of bringing it back and taking a step back and look, looking at it from different colored lenses and say, hey, listen, we probably need to look at this at a different way. And then another thing that you mentioned, I mean, you know, maybe we are, uh, you know, pushing away our guardian angel. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. I never really thought about that until you actually mentioned it. Uh, you know, cause you know, if you do believe in that, then, you know, you obviously have some type of spirit that's constantly following you. Right. Uh, if, if you believe in that and if that's the case and you're maybe seeing that you're not sure what is your guardian angel and what's not. So you may be pushing that away and I can understand that completely. It makes perfect sense. So again, I mean, Keith, I mean, you really take a different, you know, perspective on this and I really do appreciate that. Um, I want you to, um, mention to the listeners where they can find your book, where can they can find your book to, to purchase and so on and so forth. Well, uh, if, if the Barnes and Noble, uh, local to them is open, Barnes mm -hmm. and Noble can have it on the shelf. Okay. Uh, I know a lot of Barnes and Nobles are, are still have not opened yet. Um, mm -hmm. Online, Amazon, Outskirts Press, mm -hmm. uh, Barnes and Noble. Mm -hmm. Online, you can even order it at uh, Second and Charles and Books a Billion. Beautiful, beautiful. And now, um, let me ask you this, Keith. I know you're currently, uh, you wrote a second book as well. Well, I know you have a few books, and there's reasons why you well, can't publish. Right now, um, I have, I have... I would say the material for more than one book, but okay. so far I've only published one book. One. Okay. So you are actually um, in the process of doing more, more obviously, and uh, you're working on that. So we're going to definitely have you come back on to uh, talk about that and yes. uh, you know, discuss uh, the other things that you are also doing. So we're going to have you come back and you've been a great guest, uh, Keith. I mean, again, I, um, I commend you. I applaud you. Um, you know, I, I can't say nothing else, but good things about the way that you do what you do. I appreciate it. And, uh, hopefully Thank one day I'll be able to get up there to St. Augustine and, uh, maybe we'll do a joint investigation. How about that? Uh, that sounds good. All right. All right. Well, Keith, thanks for having me on your show. Oh, absolutely. Keith, and we're going to have you on again. And again, we're going to talk about some of the other stuff that you've done. And, uh, you know, this is not over. Uh, this is just a, a one of two parters that are going to be coming out here in the future. So uh, you're gonna, absolutely. You're going to get a lot more Keith Evans here at Dark Fringe Radio. So, again, uh, please follow all of his stuff at Pet Cat. Can I can I uh, go ahead and push that Pet Cat 2006 on Facebook? And uh, make sure you go ahead and follow him there. And then also you can uh, follow him on his website. It's uh, KeithOEvans.com. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So um, make sure you go ahead and follow his stuff. Make sure you pick up the book. I, I can't say enough about this great guy. Again, Keith, thank you for coming on Dark Fringe Radio. I just thank you so much. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right, my friend. Listen, uh, thank you again. And uh, we'll have you on again uh, for your next adventure. And we'll see you again next week. How's that sound? All right. Sounds great. Thank you very much. All right, Keith. Thank you. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mr. Keith Evans. Again, you can find all of his work at KeithOEvans.com and you can find his book, The Hayes House, Ghost or People 2 on Amazon.com. Make sure you check that out. You will not be disappointed. And thank you again for Keith for coming on Dark Fringe Radio and we'll have him on again uh, regarding some other work that he's doing as well. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Again, want to remind everybody where you can find the episodes and listen to all of our podcasts. You can go directly to our website, which is darkfringeradio.wordpress.com, or uh, you can go to any of one of the social media pages to uh, follow us and make sure you share all of our information, uh, which is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at Dark Fringe Radio. And, of course, again, if you want to be a guest on the show, or uh, if you want to send us some correspondence, you can send that to us at thedarkfringe at gmail.com. Again, thedarkfringe 
at gmail.com. Again, I am Will Martinez for Dark Fringe Radio. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Keith Evans, and we'll see you guys again next week. I'm